how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. Hello and welcome to Colin and Samir After Dark. Well, it's actually just The Colin and Samir Show, but yes, it is late at the time that we're recording this. The time we're recording this, it is 11.30 p.m., which is past our bedtimes. How do you know my bedtime, man? <laughs> I actually don't know you what don't time, know I, go what time I go to bed. I have no idea. But we are at VidCon right now. We're in our hotel room. Uh, VidCon has wrapped up. We've been to you know different events. We've met with different creators. And we want to tell you our three key takeaways from VidCon. Yeah, we have a lot of thoughts. This was creators IRL, real life, looking at everyone in the face. Yeah, Very v- different. Very different. Uh, but a big moment for our industry to just come back a lot of things are different this year at, at VidCon, and, and there's a lot of things to learn. And this episode is part of our Creator Support Series, which is the show where we go and support creators. Nice. Short and sweet Colin, this time. I like that. It's too late to go long. It's too late to go long on that. Let's get into it. If you're new here to the show, I'm Colin. And I'm Samir. We've been creating together primarily on YouTube for the last 10 years. And now with our show, Creator Support, we answer questions from creators about their careers. And we get those questions from our Reddit, r slash Colin and Samir, our newsletter, The Published Press, as well as at Colin and Samir on Twitter and Instagram. All right, here we go. Three key takeaways from VidCon and answering some questions from you guys. So one of the key differences in VidCon this year, VidCon has been typically sponsored by YouTube. And VidCon was started by a YouTuber named Hank Green with his brother, John Green. Hank and John Green started VidCon. And we actually started our morning with them, which was great. Um, We got to spend time with them. Um, But this year, VidCon is not sponsored by YouTube. VidCon is sponsored by TikTok. Oh, yeah. There's TikTokers everywhere. There's TikTokers, TikTok, and all over the place here. And it, it's very evident that it is sponsored by TikTok. Um, there's obviously a big TikTok logo in the front when you walk in. But even more so, like the culture of the creators who are here, you know, the, the two biggest activations that I've seen are TikTok and YouTube shorts. This is the year of short form content. Short form vertical content is basically what content is here. Yeah. And we were asked today, what's different from coming to VidCon now, as opposed to when we last came in 2016. And the answer that we gave was that there are just exponentially more creators. Last Mm -hmm. time we were here in 2016, it felt like there were fans and there were creators and there were select amount of creators. They were brought through the back doors. They would come out, they'd get mobbed by fans. Yeah. Now everyone is a creator. And that's our first takeaway today is that creators are fans and fans are creators. There's really not a clean line between those two right now. Of course, there's some creators that are bigger than others, but I was actually just having a conversation in the lobby of the hotel here with Mr. Beast uh, and Carl, and we were sitting down there and talking about this really interesting dynamic that so many people in Mr. Beast's audience 
are creators. Like if they're watching YouTube, most likely they have a cell phone in their pocket that can shoot 4K video, and they have some desire to make internet video, to make content. That's a really unique scenario that we've entered into. Now layer on top of that, you've got TikTok, Shorts, Reels, where you can post a video that's 20 seconds long, 15 mm -hmm. seconds long, whatever it is, and you can find massive viewership. Throughout the pandemic, we saw the rise of so many new creators who now have careers on their hands. Yeah, I mean, today I was even with Dylan LeMay uh, and Milad Merck. Dylan LeMay is a creator who was working at Cold Stone, started filming POV content on TikTok and just absolutely blew up. Like millions and millions of followers. He's now launching his own ice cream shop. In like, Soho in New York City. In Soho, New York City. Within like, two years. Yeah, that's crazy. Going and, from working at an ice cream shop to opening your own in one of the most expensive markets in yeah. the world. And what's unlocking that is short form vertical content. But something that Emma Chamberlain brought to our attention on one of her recent podcasts was have creators in some way become a little bit diluted because there are so many. And she brings up the example of the government that if there's one person who rules in the government, they hold all the power. But as you add people, power gets diluted. Mm -hmm. And she says that there's something similar happening with creators where maybe there's not as much fanfare or it's not as interesting because so many people are actually creators. Yeah, I think um, that's been really interesting that I remember vividly the last VidCon we were at, Casey Neistat had a meetup, you know, in a nearby park and it was just mayhem. There was a- uh, Logan uh, Paul. Logan Paul. He, he like ran through the fountain and it was just like security had to get involved because hundreds and hundreds of people were running after him. Mr. Beast, Arak, um, like a lot of massive creators have been walking around VidCon. Now, granted, Mr. Beast just got here, but they've, they've been walking around VidCon and I just feel like, it's a more tame environment around these creators. Like people are much more calm when they approach the creators. It's not as much like rabid, rabid fandom. Yeah, there's a quote from Dave Chappelle where he says, fame evaporates with regularity. Whoa, that's good. And I wonder if people are consuming creators so much and there are so many of us mm. that it's like, oh, that's not fame. I'm, you're actually extremely, you're a very regular presence in my life. Whoa, that's really good. I, I like that quote a lot. I also think um, that pairs also with this, this short form vertical stuff is that it's so much easier to make, that it's so regular. Like you're seeing these people's faces so regularly. That's also been a weird thing is the, the, like the, the level of parasocial relationships I feel like I have. Like the people I, I've hugged and that I thought to myself, we've never even talked. We've never even talked. It's crazy, but you're like, wait, do we know? And you have to ask the question, have we met? Do we know each other? Now, to our second point, Samir, can I backtrack completely on that whole fame evaporates with regularity thing? Yeah. Because the most famous people here, without a doubt, are all of the members from the Dream SMP, the Minecraft server started by Dream. So what you just heard there is... Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people surrounding a stage at VidCon. I mean, they had seats out for, I think, 300 people, and that those were gone. And it was just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. It felt like Beatlemania for meets, the Dream SMP. Meets BTS. 
it's crazy. Oh, like One Direction. Like it, it had boy band energy mixed with the cast of your favorite TV show mixed with the Mickey Mouse Club. Like, let's explain what the dream SMP is. Because people who are hearing that term might be like, what the hell are Colin and Smear talking about? Yeah. And basically what it feels to me like is that streamers, the dream SMP are all streamers and we'll explain it in a second, but streamers have replaced vloggers. The mm -hmm. last time we were here, vloggers, daily vloggers were the people were who huge. had this crazy fanfare that it was like, I need to meet you. I will scream in your face if I see you. Now I feel like streamers are the, are the people who are demanding that type of fanfare. And specifically with the Dream SMP, it's a group of friends that play Minecraft together, but they role play and they write out storylines before they play. So it's sort of like, live action theater meets improv meets like a Lord of the Rings type of tale that mm -hmm. they're telling over a long period of time. And the fandom that they have generated is insane. Yeah. And it is probably because people spend long periods of time with them. They're like improving and it's just like goofing around being there. They're even though they're following some storylines, they're also just improving, right? So they're, they're goofing around and being their truest selves. They're doing this for three to four hours at a time. And if as a streamer, you're willing to sit for three to four hours, maybe, and you find an audience that's willing to sit with you for three to four hours and do that multiple times a week, that's a lot of time that you're spending together. Yeah. And, and storylines that you're getting invested in. I mean, people were asking about relationships in the SMP, you yeah. know? And um, one of the most amazing things about the whole thing is it's called the Dream SMP because there's a creator named Dream who started it, who doesn't show his face. So he's not even there. He was not even on stage. No, he can't be on stage. He doesn't show his face. He's not like a, he's not a person that anyone knows what he looks like. It's like, it's, it's it, I don't even know like where to begin of how to explain it, but we were sitting at a table um, at lunch and saying like, hey, we, we're going to go check out the Dream SMP um, happy hour thing. I was called a happy hour, but it was not. They're all like not at all much younger. Um, but um, they were like, oh, I don't know what that is. And I think just for all of you who are listening to the podcast, if you are interested in this world of online creators, look into the dream SMP. It might not interest you as like content that you're going to watch, but it's something you need to understand around how fandom is being created because it is interactive storytelling. It's improvisation and it is the most engaged fan base that I've ever experienced. I think part of what plays into it is that their audience is really young. Yeah. And when you're young, you're much more susceptible to that level of intense fandom. Sure. You know, when we meet fans of ours here at VidCon, they're more like peers, right? Because they're creators often who are in their early 20s. Right. And I think mm -hmm. when you're in your early 20s, and your mid 20s, you're, you're trying to build a career. You're not going to scream when you see us walk into the, into the lobby. I mean, we had some people scream out to us. No, we like, did. Have let's some, just be clear. We had some screamers. We had some screamers. Yeah. <laughs> not like totally <laughs> insane. Can I give my first gripe, please? All right. So I got a gripe. Um, my gripe is with the lunch we ate today. OK, this is um, it was a food truck. It was a $20 falafel plate, okay? In the photo, there's all kinds of things in the falafel plate. It arrives, I open it, it is a bed of rice and falafel. The end, that's it. 
How dare they? What, what is, what was, like, what's going on? That was crazy, right? Yeah, that's a gripe that I'd like to take right to the top of Mr. Uh, VidCon. <laughs> well. Maybe that's Hank. Actually, it's probably Hank. Yeah, it's probably Hank. So, Hank, if you're listening. <laughs> well, okay, where no, we. I'm not putting that on Hank. No, don't put that on Hank. Because where we hung out with Hank in the YouTube creator lounge, unbelievable snacks. Lovely snacks. Uh, like, unbelievable snacks. So, that was great. And then you also blew my mind, and maybe this is just something that I should have known when you told me that John Green, Hank's brother, also a member of the Vlog Brothers, wrote The Fault in Our Stars. I don't know how you made it this far without knowing that. What? Like, I've seen that movie. That's a gripe that I have with you. That's, how do you I, not know that? I have that gripe with just, like, everyone in my life who didn't tell me that. That's crazy. A lot of people. That is a lot of people. So back to the Dream SMP. Um, the other thing that I think is really interesting about this group of creators is they're, like, not that corporate. And, and I don't know how else to, to, to say that, but, like, they don't... These types of creators outside of, like, Carl, they're so underground... Like they aren't doing as many, they aren't like in the mainstream. They aren't, you know, doing any um, the big brand deals really. They aren't like, they're so kind of counterculture that I think that adds to their appeal, to be honest. Yeah, it's interesting because as you talk about that, it's hard for me to even hear that they're not mainstream because there's, it's crazy that you can be so incredibly well-known and have people watch your videos in the high millions. Yeah. But- not be considered mainstream famous. And I wonder if we're just in more of like a generational divide, really, yeah. that if you ask people under the age of 20 or 15, they're obviously way more likely to know who members of the Dream SMP are than people who are above 20. I think so. And that's probably because, you know, again, it's Minecraft and so many, how many people play Minecraft? Didn't you look at some stat recently? Yeah, let me pull it up. It's, it's, it's a crazy amount of people that play Minecraft. So their pool of audience is just so massive. Um, and that's something I think that also is important to think about when you're thinking about creating content. What's like the pool of audience that you're trying to What's the maximum possible audience? And let's say you take 10% of the maximum possible audience. Is that still a significant number? Yeah. How many people play Minecraft? So it's the best-selling video game of all time with over 238 million copies sold and nearly 140 million monthly active users as of 2021. 140 million monthly active users. So let's just say you take 10% of that. Let's even take... 1% of that. But if you took 10%, you just limit your pool to 14 million people. Like that's a massive pool of people to watch content. And I think that's something that's really important when you think about topic selection. If you're, if you're trying to reach a lot of people, like, or even if you want to understand how big your space is. And even for us, we think about, we make content about, you know, the creator economy and creators and creatives. The more niche we are, like the, the tighter knit this group is. And that's okay. That's like the, the audience that we want to talk to. For example, if we expanded this podcast and we said, there's actually this podcast for freelancers, all of a sudden the pool gets bigger, right? And like, it's just like, you just selected these pools that are, that are bigger and bigger and bigger, depending on what you authentically want to, want to speak to. But people who are authentically interested in speaking to Minecraft, you have a massive potential audience. So I think that's a, that's a huge reason why the Dream SMP is big. But do, do you know what I'm saying about like, they're not mainstream culture like you can say dream smp and a lot of people have no idea what you're talking oh, about of course whereas emma chamberlain was just on jimmy fallon 
he's becoming way more mainstream. Or Charlie D'Amelio is mainstream. You know, like the, these are mainstream creators. David Dobrik is mainstream. But the people in the Dream SMP have fandom that I've never seen before. All right, now moving on to some questions from different creators. This first one comes from Neve, who we actually got here on the ground. I'm going to play it for you all right now. Okay, tell me this. What in your life, like your career life, creator life, as, as Colin Samir, mirrors your personal life? Like what is the relationship with that? Do you ever feel like the challenges happening on your channel directly correlate to what's happening in your personal life? So uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, I said this today. The version of myself that is on camera, on mic, is the closest version to just myself that I've ever been able to put on the internet, which is really exciting for me. It's really cool because I'm not playing a character. I'm not like more excited, less excited. Like I'm just, this is just who I am. This is how I speak. This is who I speak to, like what I speak about, everything. So I think number one, like I think this is really close to who I am, um, which is really exciting. From a challenge perspective, I think what's interesting is it, that all comes down to pace of video creation and video output and mental space. So if I'm feeling like maybe at home, like when I was planning my wedding, that was really challenging uh, because I was essentially producing two things at once. And the challenges that we were facing in producing episodes at times, you know, like you come home and you come home with that stress of, of having to produce. So I found that to be really challenging. I also think that sometimes if I feel overwhelmed or stressed, you know, with with what we're doing uh, on the channel or like in a creative rut, like I do f go home and feel like I'm in a rut. Like that, mm -hmm. this, they don't, it doesn't feel separate to me, um, which maybe is healthy or not healthy, but like it doesn't feel separate. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I've actually never thought about that, of how it's pretty hard for me to just shut it off at the end of the day. If I've had a bad end to the day at work, yeah, I don't, I don't just like turn it around to 180 and I'm fully fine at home. Well, you've watched Severance, right? Yeah. It's not Severance. It's not like the Colin at work and the Colin at home are different people, right? Like, I mean, maybe I'm a little different, but I'm not that different. Like, this is me. You, you Like, who you are hearing right now on the pod, like, this is not a character. It's me. So when these mics go off, this is what, like... Colin and I were talking about this stuff before we were recording. Yeah. So like you're you're just getting us. Um, and so I think the line, which is challenging, I think for a lot of creators, the line is, is just, there's no like hard line in the sand that says, here's Samir from Colin and Samir, and here's Samir at home with his family. Like that's, so whatever challenges you're facing in business, I think that's also just entrepreneurship. Yeah. I don't think it's that different than any other career. Yeah. You know, if, if it's entrepreneurship, if I have a day where I've, been very talkative by the time I get home. Mm -hmm. I probably not want to, I'm not yeah. going to want to be that talkative. If I've been editing all day and I've made a thousand decisions in an edit timeline, sure. And then I get home and I have to decide what I want to eat, kind of hard to decide what I want to eat. Right, right. Yeah. You know, I've made too many decisions. I'm yeah. tapped out. I'm with you. All right. Before we go any further, I also want to acknowledge that, you know, considering VidCon is sponsored by TikTok, one thing that was really interesting that happened during VidCon is that Kabi Lame crossed Charlie D'Amelio as the most followed person on TikTok. That to me is really interesting. And just to like explain why that is, I think is interesting. So Kabi Lame makes videos where he reacts to things that are kind of like, like absurd, absurdly complicated things for pretty normal problems. Does that make sense? 
absurdly complicated solutions to very normal problems. So like someone's trying to get in a car and they like get in in a really complicated way and then he like reacts and being like, no, it's simple. But he doesn't speak, he doesn't speak at all. He makes a face and he's funny and he reacts and he shows like a simpler way to do it. You know when people say, duh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like the- He's like the visual interpretation the, the, of duh. The live action version live of Live action of duh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's copy lame. So I think what's really important about that to learn is that his content transcends language. He is, you know, making something that can be understood whether or not you understand English. Not the case for Charlie D'Amelio. Not the case for Charlie D'Amelio. Kind of. I don't know. I mean, yeah, Char I mean Charlie's also dancing and like... But she's an American. She's, she's very pop. American. Yeah, yeah. Star, basically, at this yeah, point. Yeah, I think to like latch onto her personality, like the Dunkin' Donuts, like all, all the other things... To like, get the full experience. Yeah, I do think... It's better I mean, if you speak English. Granted, we're talking about like... 148 million followers versus 148.5 I mean, million. yeah, this is our assumption. But this is also just why we think Kavi Lame specifically has found so much success. Yeah, it is interesting because you have two very starkly like different creators and styles of creation. But if you haven't checked out Kavi Lame, um, check out Kavi Lame. He's the most followed creator on TikTok now. And I think that's like a really interesting moment in time just as we're looking at short form creator who doesn't speak you know, like that's such an interesting like era of of this whole thing. You know, yeah, and he's that, also that we have a silent film yeah, star. Like, basically, he's, like, he's Charlie Chaplin. He's Charlie right? Chaplin. He's Charlie yeah. Chaplin. Like, and he also not only is he like Charlie Chaplin uh, of TikTok, but he gets like high fashion brand deals. Yeah, like he's doing like high. He's like modeling for high fashion brands. Yeah, have you ever noticed that when you're going through LAX? Kobe Lame's there. Yeah, yeah, there's a Hugo Boss. Hugo Boss, yeah. Yeah, in the LAX. And Super interesting. Kobe Lame. All right, here's a question from Reddit. Uh, the title of this is Sporadic Posting versus Evergreen Content. Hi, Colin and Samir. I hit a wall with content production recently, in part because I'm setting a higher and higher standard for my content, and in part because my full-time job has been incredibly busy. Anyhow, because my channel is relatively small and undiscovered and full of evergreen content that's racking well, ranking well in search, I'm not getting any community kickback regarding the lack of new content. And my daily viewership has remained very steady despite no new content for a couple of months. So my question is, at what point do you think YouTube will stop recommending my content if the channel remains relatively dormant? Do you think there's a point in which I should consider my channel as a less reliable source and promote more active competitors instead. So th there's a lot more to this. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, but the PS says, PS, you pronounce my name like O wine as an O. That's a really fancy glass of wine. I've heard Samir's name pronunci pronunciation and I'm not willing to take a risk. Okay. Uh, o wine. Um, wow, coming at you there. Coming at me there. That's a gripe. From a listener. Yeah, that is a gripe. Listener, from a listener. gripe. Samir can't pronounce names. This is really interesting because we're experiencing this right now where we have only put out one video in the past three weeks and our viewership is exponentially higher than the last month when we put out four videos. Now, granted, our video is an interview with Ryan Trahan that's tracking pretty close towards a million views, doing very well. But it is interesting that um, a couple things. One, I've had this conversation with multiple people here at VidCon allowing your content the space to breathe and you said that on the on the drive down to vidcon too like we have the we have a couple videos coming out soon and they're all going to be spaced out and i've been having this conversation with creators where they're suggesting spacing out your content a bit more 
so that it has space. It's just like, it's so interesting to go from, you know, the world of daily vlogging to, you know, this conversation, but the best visual I have for all of this is every time you make a YouTube video, you're essentially finishing a book that's going onto a shelf. And when someone walks into this room with this bookshelf, you want them to look at the most attractive books, you know, the things that look really nice, they are judging a book by its cover, mm -hmm. and then to grab the book and have it have substance. That makes it evergreen. That's YouTube. YouTube is that library. It's a library. So every the other platform are those advertisements that people post on polls where you can like pull the number <laughs> off for guitar yeah, lessons. Yeah. You know, yeah. it might catch your eye as you're walking in if it's like mm. stapled to the door. Yeah. And maybe you'll pull off the tag and, you know, go get guitar lessons one day. But you're probably going to put that piece of paper in your pocket yeah, yeah, and crinkle yeah. it up and you're going to walk in and you're going to get a good book. Yeah, you're going to forget it exists. And I think that's the that's the biggest difference with YouTube. Like what what Owain is talking about is I almost got lost in that library analogy because I just want to admit that it is 12 o'clock. <laughs> it is yeah. midnight. Yeah, it's late. It's late. But what Owain is talking about is like it hasn't posted in a long time, but the channel is still getting viewership. So I think like that is one of the most unique parts of YouTube. And I think allowing yourself that time and space is really important. I think that's been really important for us. We're posting less on YouTube right now, but maintaining our viewership. Um, the one thing that I want to be cognizant of is maintaining a connection with our audience. Like I still want to feel the pulse of the audience. And what's cool is we're getting that through Reddit. We're getting it through the podcast right now. That's been really helpful. So um, I'm definitely feeling that that connection through here. Um, and it's been really interesting posting less on YouTube. But I would say like, you know, is there a point uh, where you need to consider like posting more? Sure. Like if your viewership goes down and you want it to go back up, like that, you, you kind of have to evaluate that. Um, but I don't think there's anything that's wrong with having your content being discoverable. Like, and every piece of content, all the creators who are listening to this right now, every piece of content that you make, you should think about how it can be evergreen over long periods of time. Because even for us, when we put up a piece of content, it's not like only in that week are people watching it. People are watching our content months and years later. So every YouTube video is, is again, it's like a book that you're putting on a shelf for people to pick up for years and years to come. All right, this one is from the Reddit. It's not really a question, but kind of a question. This is from Master of None, very active Reddit user in r slash Colin and Samir. Uh, says, Colin and Samir, please make a survey for your viewers. I think it'd be really interesting if Colin and Samir plus team made a survey for their audience. I think it could be some really interesting insights that likely no other creators or audiences could provide. The results could be shared in a single or longer video, multiple shorts, or in the published press, or a LinkedIn post. Shout out to my LinkedIn. Some questions. Could have been a shout out to my LinkedIn. It's a shout out to my LinkedIn. Okay. It's a shout out to my LinkedIn. Some questions I would like to see answered are how many hours in a week are people spending making content? What their main platform is? Are they trending towards longer or shorter content? How much money they make in a year? Community size, general size. This is actually a really good idea. If we did our own creator census or like creator poll mm -hmm. about the creators in our audience, that'd yeah. be pretty interesting. That's a good idea. I like that. I like that. It's it's a question. The question at the end is actually for everyone else in the audience. It says, do you think they should do it? And if so, what questions would you like to be included? So you guys can pop over to the Reddit and answer that. Um, I actually think that's a really good idea and we should consider that. We can yeah. do it through the newsletter. 
That's super cool. I like that. Um, also, with the mention of LinkedIn there, uh, just want to give a shout out to LinkedIn. They had a great rooftop party here where they had nice little pizzas. That's what we had for dinner tonight. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> it was really nice. Yep. It was great to hang out with uh, with our team at LinkedIn. Um, and just been so fun to see on the Reddit just the reactions and like the memes about LinkedIn. It's been it's been super cool. Um, so yeah, we're probably gonna go to bed because um, it's midnight now. Yep. And it's now it's now it's officially past our bedtime. This is like officially boom. I'll give you that. Past our bedtime. And Colin hasn't said anything in the last 10 minutes. So. Yeah, I've been staring off yeah, into the yeah. wallpaper. <laughs> I think it's time for me to go to bed. All right, so those are our three takeaways from VidCon. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of The Colin and Samir Show. See ya. Bro.